Good morning. All right. Let's get to it. If you have your Bible with you, we're going to be in the Gospel of Luke. If you need to borrow a Bible, you can raise your hand real high, and the guys will be happy to let you borrow a Bible. We finished out our series in James. We're going to take a couple Sundays because of the holidays, doing some special messages. And then we will start First Peter. All right. I'm going to change up just how we do things, so bear with me. Um, you know, here we are. It's uh, one week until Christmas. If you didn't order your Kentucky Fried Chicken, uh, I think your only options left are Family Mart and Sané. That's all you got left. Uh, the, the ordering deadline's done. It's interesting here in Japan, right? KFC uh, chicken dinner and uh, Christmas cakes are part of a, their tradition, right? Their, their own Christmas tradition. And those are traditions I support, by the way. Those are good traditions. But, um, it, what's interesting is for me is over the last 21 years that we've, I've, our family's been here, and some of you guys know I was born here, left, and moved back, and um, how, how Christmas has grown in popularity. And when we talk about Christmas as far as here in Japan, I, I'm talking about the, the commercialization of it, like the marketing of Christmas. Um, that has grown in popularity. The decorations... Santa, it's the lights, uh, all of those type of things. I mean, even um, you know, the Japanese stores are getting in on the uh, Black Friday sales. Although I think they're still trying to figure it out because uh, the Black Friday sales that I went to, they, you know, they had discount on cucumbers and on curry packs. I'm like, ah, not almost, almost, right? They're almost. It's good. Although I, I did buy some cucumbers, but anyways. Uh, I remember having a conversation with another pastor here on island, Pastor Tagami. He pastors the Yomitan Baptist Church, great, great man of God, and known him for many years. And, and he had shared with me how his family, many years ago, uh, had a Christmas tree. And because they had a Christmas tree, they actually were featured in the Okinawan news. Like, it made the newspaper, it made the TV, because they were one of the only families that had a Christmas tree in their house. Uh, but nowadays, fast forward in time, Christmas trees, even here in Japan, have become a, a regular thing. Uh, it's not uncommon when you walk into the retail stores now where Christmas songs are playing. And, you know, it's, the, uh, it's Wham's, right, Last Christmas, or Mariah Carey's uh, All I Want for Christmas is You. When I hear those things, at least for me, I get a little bit of PTSD. Uh, I've shared with you guys before because I worked retail many, many years. And those songs would just be on this continual loop over and over again. And so uh, it just like, oh, it gets me a little triggered, especially when I hear Santa Baby. It's just like, hey, I got to go. I can't, you know, it's too much for me. Um, but as I've been out and about, and maybe you've experienced this, what, what piques my curiosity the most is when I hear, maybe we'll call it this, just the traditional Christmas carols and the Christmas hymns that are being played in the stores and even in the mall the other day. 
And, and the ones that, as we saying some of this morning, that are Christ-centered, or they're, they're gospel-rich. And I wonder if anyone's really listening to the lyrics. You know, O Holy Night, that the lyrics, part of those lyrics is, Long lay the world in sin, in error pining, till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. Those are uh, heavy, right? Those, those are lyrics that should cause us to think uh, and contemplate. Uh, Angels we have heard on high. It says, Come to Bethlehem and see him whose birth the angels sing. Come adore on bended knee, Christ the Lord, the newborn King. Earlier we sang, and Sarah and Mal did such a great job, didn't they? Uh, always blows me away just how young they are, yet how mature they are. They're gifting. And so we sang in the first Noel. And that, that particular Christmas carol, it, it basically calls us to a response of worship like the shepherds and like the wise men. And so that Christmas carol folds in both the gospel of Matthew and, and Luke, who those groups came to honor the birth of Christ and they, both of them followed a star. Like the lyrics that we sang earlier, it says, the first Noel the angel did say was to certain poor shepherds in fields as they lay. In fields where they lay, keeping their sheep on a cold winter's night that was so deep. It goes on to say, as we sang earlier, they, they looked up and saw a star shining in the east beyond them far. And to the earth it gave a great light, and so it continued both day and night. And by the light of that same star, and so it moves from the shepherds to the wise men, three wise men came from country afar. To seek for a king was their intent, and to follow the star wherever it went. Now, we didn't sing. There, there are many more uh, verses to that hymn, and we didn't sing them all, but one of the versions, one of the original versions, it, it closes very powerfully with this. And the line is, Then let us all with one accord sing praises to our heavenly Lord that hath made heaven and earth of naught, and with his blood our life hath bought. Noel, Noel, born is the king of Israel. This morning I, I entitled our message, The Real First Noel. The word Noel comes from the Latin verb uh, noski. It means to be born. And in the Latin version of the Old Testament, in the book of Ecclesiastes, the, the birth, the prof, prophesied birth of Christ is described as the natalis. It, it's where we get our English word today, natal or nativity. That's where that word derives from. And the variation of that word, nael, it made its way into French, which is a specific reference to the birth of Christ and then later into English as Noel. And today, as we use that word, often it refers generally to Christmas and to then Christmas carols, the songs we sing about the birth 
of Christ. Here in the Gospel of Luke, Luke, the good doctor, records for us the lyrics of the choir of angels that sing out. It's in Luke chapter 2, verse 14. And those lyrics are, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those whom His favor rests. In other translations will read, Goodwill towards men. And I love that scene. It, it, it's, it's like hell, heaven's singing telegram. The, the angel comes and makes an announcement to the shepherds of the birth of Christ. And then there's this flash mob, uh, you know, heaven style, where the choir of angels show up and they sing that line. And that's what they sing and then they depart. And often that's referred to as the part of the first Noel. But, but there's another very beautiful song that Luke records for us. And it's here in chapter 1. It's Luke chapter 1. And it's the song of Mary, the, the mother of Jesus. And it's a song that flows from her heart in response to what the Lord had revealed to her what the Lord had promised her in the birth of her son, Jesus. And there are several wonderful things we can note from this song of praise. Again, in our time this morning for our special message, I just called it the first, or excuse me, the real first Noel. And I wanted to highlight four observations slash lessons for us that we might appreciate and adopt, embrace in our own heart response as Christmas is a week away. The birth of Christ and what we get to celebrate. So, me. Just take the verses they come. So, I'll read the, the first two verses and we'll, I'll set the background. It says, Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. So let me set the, some background for us, just, just in case you aren't familiar with this portion of Scripture. And if you're not, I, I highly recommend that you take some time to read Luke's Gospel this week if you can. Just from the beginning, not, not only Luke chapter 2. This time of year is often referred to as Advent. Advent also, by the way, is taken from a Latin word, uh, Adventus, which means simply the coming or arrival. And, and it's often used to describe something significant, a, a notable event, a notable person, and, and for us as followers of Christ, Advent, it, it speaks of the birth of Jesus. But also it speaks of his second coming, right? The promise that he's coming back. And so we generally will talk about the first Advent and the second Advent. Again, Advent meaning arrival or coming. And Luke's gospel provides us this record of Advent, of the events, even before 
Jesus was born in the little town of Bethlehem. God would send this messenger angel by the name of Gabriel. And Gabriel was sent to a, a young girl. She was engaged. She wasn't, they hadn't fully married yet, as we understand fully married in their culture. It was betrothed, and so she's promised to Joseph. The Bible tells us plainly, but importantly, she was a virgin, and her name is Mary. And this, the angel comes to Mary and makes this announcement to her that is shocking, it's surprising, it's it's potentially even scandalous given the fact of her culture and her time. And so the announcement to Mary was God had chosen her to be the one that would carry and deliver God's son, Jesus. And along with her soon-to-be husband, Joseph, they were to raise him. Shocking, I think we can understand. Surprising, I think we understand. I think what gets lost on us, at least for me a little bit, is the idea of how, how that can be scandalous. You know, it's scandalous because on outside appearances, Mary being found with child, right? Being pregnant before her and Joseph were properly wed was a huge cultural and religious taboo. It was a huge no-no. Very personally, I would say very profoundly, and just to keep the alliteration, and powerfully, God, God would assure both of them in different ways that they didn't have to freak out that it was going to be okay, that this was a work that God was doing. It was from the Lord. Now, it wasn't going to be easy. They would experience their own form of cancel culture from their families and from others. They would experience ridicule, being shut out. I mean, it's not too unlike when people come to faith in Christ today, we experience from our family and friends a misunderstanding, a disagreement, sometimes even hostility. They don't understand, they mock, they reject, all because of Christ in you and your desire to follow the Lord. But not everyone in the family snubbed their nose at Mary. Her older relative, Elizabeth, who also was pregnant at the same time, she's six months ahead of Mary. She's in her home, and Mary then comes to stay and, and be with her. And it's Elizabeth, actually, and John, who six months earlier, actually the same Gabriel came to them. 
and told them that they were going to have a baby too. And they were going to have a baby boy, and they were to name that baby boy John. And when Mary comes then to stay with Elizabeth, she enters and she, she greets the family, she greets Elizabeth. It's the, uh, it's the Jewish version of the Japanese phrase, Tadaima. I've arrived. The announcement, announcement of uh, your presence when you step into a doorway. In English, you can just say, Tada, uh, I'm here, real fast. Tada, I'm here. It'll sound almost the same. So when she makes this announcement, her, her older cousin hears the greeting, and Luke 1.41 says that the baby, so John, in Elizabeth's womb, leaped, responded. And that Elizabeth herself, we're told, was filled with the Holy Spirit. And as a result, she ends up praying this blessing over Mary. By the way, I would submit to you, it's biblical proof of life in the womb. <laughs> the baby John leaped for joy at the sound of Mary's voice. And Elizabeth then encourages Mary and blesses Mary for Mary's obedience to trust the Lord, even though it was initially scary and surprising, even though it had the potential of scandal, even though it was confusing, that she wanted to honor and trust the Lord. And when Elizabeth affirms her and blesses her and welcomes her, Mary responds. And out of her heart, she, she declares this, this beautiful song. Church tradition calls it the canticle or the song of Mary, or maybe you've heard it's called the Magnificat of Mary. A lot of Latin lessons for us this morning. Magnificat also is a Latin word just simply means magnify. And it's this song, this Noel that Mary sings. And, and she sings forth, as I read earlier, she says, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He, was fill, he, excuse me, he has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. That's the longest introduction I've ever had. Let me pray real quick. Father, we thank you for our time this morning. May the person and work of Christ be lifted high. May the word of Christ go down deep.
May the love of Christ expand wide. That in our lesson today and in our life every day, Christ be magnified. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, despite the social stigma of certain humiliation in her day, that would result of, you know, or accompany the fact that she's pregnant before marriage. Uh, what she had already experienced, and then what was still to come, as we know, because we can read the rest of the story of the hardships that they would face, and, and all of the unknowns uh, of life after this baby was born. Mary models for us a, a posture of heart that really is instructive for us and it's inspirational. Because her first words and, and where her heart goes is upward. Right? She chooses to magnify the Lord and to speak that forth and rejoice in God her Savior. By the way, I, I, you know, I know there are certain faith traditions that will elevate Mary. And certainly the Bible says we're to honor and respect those to whom it's due and in proper admiration of her being the mother of Jesus, we want to do that. But there are some faith traditions that exalt Mary beyond Scripture. Even to the point where they'll say, oh, she herself, like Jesus, was without, without sin, but that's not biblical. In fact, Note with me verse 47 that she calls God her Savior. I mean, the fact that she declares that is a recognition that, yes, the mother of Christ, the mother of our Lord, yet she recognized her own need for salvation. But nothing that happened before these events and all that was happening with her and Joseph and even that time where he thought, I can't do this. I got to figure out a way to essentially break off this engagement. In their time and culture, it would be to divorce her and put her away. And, and nothing that was ahead of them. The journey to Bethlehem, the refusal of her nine months pregnant and, and no one's going to help her out. Not even family is going to take her in to be shunned like that. I mean, all, for her to have to flee to Egypt and all of the turmoil that was going to happen ahead of her, none of that. She is resolved in her spirit is going to steal or rob her joy in the good things that God had promised, even in her present hardships. That the posture of her heart is to magnify God and in her spirit rejoice in God her Savior. I, I think it's safe to say that, that what she was experiencing wasn't how she planned her engagement to go. It wasn't how she, I imagine, envisioned what it was going to look like when her and Joseph were going to start their family 
and get the baby room ready and all of the plans that come with that. That arguably, I think, and safely to say as we interpret this, that her life plans, uh, it seemed like were sideswiped. Like whatever they were, it just crumbled. And yet, and yet, She says, my, my soul will magnify God and I'm going to rejoice in what he's done. And yet it was still a thing that God would redeem. A good thing because God was in it and God had promised good things from it. Tough? Yes. Hard? Yes. Unplanned? I think so. Not part of Anything that she was thinking about, put in her New Year's resolutions, I, I, yeah, I don't think so. It wasn't going to be smooth. It wasn't going to be trouble-free. But the promise from God would be strength. It would be a fulfillment of heaven's purposes. And we can imagine what Mary might have envisioned in this chapter of her life to look like. And yet completely different than the reality. Maybe you can relate. Plans that you had. Things that you envisioned. What the chapter was going to look like, the season, what it was supposed to be. At least what it looked like on your calendar what you talked about with your loved ones. And maybe, like Mary, you feel like it got sideswiped. So we, like Mary, can still choose to magnify the Lord in our hearts and rejoice in God our Savior. Maybe it's been a rough road. And things have just happened to you beyond your control. Church family, I want to encourage you. God's promise to you is the same as Mary's. That he's with you. He loves you. He cares for you. He may not necessarily bring the exit ramp as quick as you want, but he'll provide the strength you need. And to fulfill his greater purposes in your life. And so it's in that perspective that Mary resolved while facing the greatest test of her life at that time. And another one would come when her baby boy, if you will, right, grew up and then is crucified on a cross. She resolved, even though it was the greatest test of her life, that she would magnify the Lord. And no one would steal her joy. And, and we can be like Mary too, to resolve in our hearts today, in the frenzy of activity, in the disappointments of life, and what uh, we feel like maybe you know, we got sideswiped with is to choose to exalt God and rejoice in Christ our Savior. She moves 
on in her song, and she says, For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. Behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. You know, I, I noted with Sarah and Mal, like just how I've just been so blessed to watch them grow in the Lord. Sarah, who's 16, Mal, who's 17. And for me, I, I'm, in, I'm just I, blessed and proud and just the maturity of you know, who they are in the Lord, as young women in the Lord. And I, and I look at Mary in the same way, like humble and, and mature in her perspective. And the Bible never says how young she is, but we understand she's, she's young. And yet she recognizes. Right? Her perspective goes wide and she recognizes this is part of God's greater plan and purposes. It's not just her own life and kind of a myopic view of, oh, this is what God's doing, but she, her, her aperture goes wide on heaven and earth and through generations, and she, that she recognizes God, God has regarded me. And he declares her as the mighty one. That great things God has done, that He is holy and He is merciful. And it's in this song of praise, this original Christmas Noel, that we get to come into the same perspective as Mary and acknowledge the grace that we all have received. God's purpose was to bless her. She counts her blessings. Great things he has done. Notice, for me, she states. But also, it's not just reserved for her. That his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. And so she models for us this proper response. It's instructive. What should be our response of our heart, the incredible outpouring of God's grace in your life and in my life? Well, the response should be praise. The response should be exalting and glorifying and thanking God. Because if you're like me, I have to repent. I find that it's easy to begin to look at what's not happening and begin to complain. You begin to grumble. And sadly, I'd say often it's just self-induced. It's the self-induced busyness that I and maybe you can relate. You know, we prepare for Christmas and then we're worrying about things and how it's going to go with certain people and friends or family or we can find ourselves in that place or 
take a moment and count our blessings and rejoice and think about what God has done. And I think that's a great, it's a great application for us to take time to pause sometime this week. Just sit down between you and the Lord and just count the, the gifts of grace that God has given you this past year. What God's already given you. And that our heart's focus would be on the blessings we've already received. She says, verse 51, He has shown strength with His arm. He scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down mighty men from their thrones, exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. Mary declares the sovereignty of God, the strength of God, the providence of God. She says he's shown strength. He scattered the proud. He's put down mighty from their thrones. The idea of kings and prideful men. Mary was very aware of the cultural and political turmoil of her day. Right? Those things had collided. Un ungodly from a Jewish perspective, Roman powers, pagan powers, you know, occupied their land and declared much of their life in Israel, what they could and couldn't do. We, we see it play out in chapter 2, where the Roman governor, right, the Roman Caesar, makes a mandate and all the Jewish citizens have to obey. And yet we see God's plans in the background being played out, even through the turmoil of politics. of how that pushed into their social life, how that pushed into their religious life. And I think about our day today, and I think about our culture today, and, and there's a lot of parallels. There's a lot that occupies the news feeds, political scandals, and heated debates. I wonder if someone listens to this message some years in now and, and thinks about the Twitter files, right? That's going on. The Twitter files. That just sounds funny, doesn't it? But social strife, upheavals. And it's not just the United States, right? It's worldwide. And, and there's this, I'll call it, godless, woke ideology that is trying to hijack and, and, and infiltrate even the church that dictates what then becomes cultural norms in the world that we live in. And like Mary, you know, while we live in this world, we're not of this world. 
And like Mary, we can remember God is sovereign. And God is all-powerful. And that his providence and the purposes of God won't fail. And, and it's into that chaotic, chaos, right? It's into that uh, culture that Jesus our King was born, that he came into. And, and what I want to note with you is that Mary recognizes that. The sovereignty of God and the providence of God and the power of God and the strength of God. That he's on the throne, that he's in control. And that she's not afraid. Because she knew her source of strength. She boldly declares the, the victory of the Lord. And her lyrics, perhaps even inspired by another song of another mom in the Bible. Her name's Hannah, who also was living in stressful times, in a stressful situation. First Samuel chapter 2. And later on, you can compare those two songs of these two moms, and there's a lot of similarity. So perhaps Mary herself just inspired by that, that song. That Hannah too rejoices in the Lord. That Hannah too declares the power of God and the providence of God. His putting down of the wicked and his care of the disenfranchised. Gang, it, it's a good reminder for us because I, I, we, we can easily become discouraged at the constant barrage of just junk that's thrown at us. Of corruption of leaders, of allegations back and forth, of, of an agenda-driven right, hijacking of the news. Of the obvious blatant hypocrisy of the system. And how disappointed we can be. And then disenfranchise ourselves, right? And then disgusted and angered and, and all of the emotions that can come with that. And yet, yet, like Mary, seeing those things, we put our focus on the Lord and we get to declare His victory and His providence and His power and His sovereignty and His goodness. And that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. And that we don't have to be subject to the sway of the cultural currents of our day and the evil one. See this, this first, this real first Noel, this song of Mary in our time of celebrating the birth of Christ, right? Christmas reminds us that whatever's happening with kings and rulers and the world leaders and culture and society that we can trust and worship and love and serve our king king jesus who holds all the power the bible says 
But the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord, and like rivers of water, he can turn it whichever way he wishes. Nothing will thwart the plans and the purposes of God. And then she ends verse 54 through 55. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. Mary ends her song remembering the past and then also declaring God's promise for the future. And she recalls the promise given to Abraham and to their spiritual fathers. And so as I mentioned earlier, despite Rome's power in their land at that time, Mary affirms God's help to his people in all that God was wanting to do from the beginning of time, from the promise that he first gave to Abraham. And Mary herself then becomes a a central, integral part of that story of the fulfillment of that story, of God's promise of hope, of deliverance and life. This young lady who for us some 2,000 years ago, with all that was happening in her life, with all what we would, with conjecture, say was disappointing, not part of her plan, created all this upheaval for her with her family and her friends and her neighbors and all of that, that that she surrenders. She surrenders to the will of God. You know, back in Luke chapter 1, verse 38, when the angel comes and he's, and he's announcing what's going to happen, it's confusing to her. She's like, how, how, how can that be? I, Joseph and I aren't married yet. Angel says, with God, nothing is impossible. And then in verse 38, she says, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be. Let it be to me according to your word. Now, what, what a challenging, amazing posture of heart. Like, Lord, whatever you want, I don't fully understand it. I don't know how it's going to happen. But let it be to me according to your word. She surrenders. And, and she, you know, God's will in her life and the work in her life becomes then part of world history. And there's a part of her that recognizes that, right? It, she connects with the generation past and she looks by faith to a glorious future. And we might say that she, she embraced her place in God's plan to bring salvation to a lost world. We, we live in a world that embraces self-love caters to, endorses, embraces, and promotes self-love. 
Like people love themselves. And they love to look at themselves. Back in October, some of you know, my wife, Christy, and I got to go up to Osaka for our anniversary slash birthdays. And, and so one of those days, we end up going to Universal Studios Japan. And we, we sit in you know, the lines as you do to get on these different rides. And, and, and one of them, I forget which ride it was, we were, we were there for quite a bit. I mean, it was over an hour, we're standing in line. And, and over an hour, the entire time, there was this well, group of girls, but one particular girl, who's, they were just right ahead of us, the entire time is just taking picture of herself after picture of herself. And we're just in line. And I was so tempted to kind of photobomb her so many times. Christy's like pulling me, stop. And when she wasn't taking pictures of herself, selfies, I kid you not, she pulled out this compact mirror and was just looking at herself the entire time. I thought, oh, how sad. <laughs> like, I, I don't like to look at myself too long, you know, at all. And, and so, I, I just in my heart I thought, man, Lord, is this indicative of, of our a generation today? Like, is this, it was just so sad. It made me worry, it made me pray just for young people today. You know, the marketing of Christmas and the commercialization of Christmas arguably, really is about self. It, it focuses us on our wants. Bigger, newer, shinier, better. It, it focuses us, the commercialization part of it, right, on our wishes and material goods. Uh, let me make a caveat, like a qualifying statement. Get, gift Buying and gift giving can be great ways to show love and, and have fun. And, and but we have to remember we don't want to lose focus. See, Mary was able to see that the promised birth of Jesus was going to connect her to what God was doing not only in her life but in her generation but also for the next. And I think the lesson that we can be challenged by this morning as we wrap up this last point is that, that we too, we want to make sure, and perhaps this is a point we make every time we come to Christmas, right? That we, we don't want the real meaning of it. Our focus of why we celebrate the birth of Christ, that it would get lost in the commercial marketing of why the world celebrates Christmas. Because it celebrates for the love of self. Right? We, we should celebrate for the love and the glory of Jesus. Amen? And it matters not just for us, but gang, it matters for the next generation too. So Mary's song. The Magnificat of Mary. The first Noel that 
This song provides great instruction for us, great challenge for us. Hopefully this morning as we enter into this last week of Christmas, it, it's a little bit of a recalibration of our hearts. That we too would magnify the Lord and rejoice in God our Savior. That we too would be intentional and take a moment to count our blessings, what God has already done. And the gifts of grace he's already given us. That we wouldn't then allow fear and fret to grab our hearts as we watch what's happening in the news and all of the junk that's happening and all of the world thing and all the culture, but, but we can rest in the sovereignty and the providence of God. And that we too want to keep our focus on the Lord what God wants to do in and through your life and not so much what's sitting under the tree. Amen. Father, we thank you for our time this morning and to consider Mary's song. Lord, I pray it would become our song that we would magnify you. Think of the great things that you have done for us. To know that you're sovereign and you're good. Lord, whatever Whatever happens in the world, you're still on the throne. And we don't have to fear. Or may our focus be on Jesus this week and every day. In your name we pray. Amen.